Well, welcome again to Village Park Online. I'm so glad that you're with us today. We sure do miss seeing you face to face, but we're hoping that uh, we'll have some time together soon. But for now, let's just dive into the word this morning. If you have your Bible, I want you to open it to Philippians chapter four. I shared with you earlier, we're going to talk about contentment today. And this week has actually been an object lesson in our family's life about contentment. In fact, even as we're recording this morning in my house, our home AC has been out this week and we've had a technician coming out to look at it and try to repair it. And so uh, it, it, it reminded me this week as we've kind of struggled it, oftentimes when it get a little warm in the house, I'd walk over and just look and see what the temperature uh, was. And it reminded me of when I was a, in youth camp that I heard a speaker once use an illustration I just wanted to share with you that uh, he was talking that, uh, that particular evening about thermometers. And you know, if you have a thermometer in your, in your house or maybe on your thermostat actually that will tell you the temperature. And he said, you know, thermometers measure temperature. And so when things get really hot, the thermometer goes up. And when it's really cold, it goes down. And he used that to illustrate the way that many of us live our lives as Christians, that when things are really great, you know, we, we feel like our joy, maybe even our passion for God goes up and our contentment is so great when everything is really good. But then when things are low, when things are bad, then our contentment level takes a nosedive. And he said, you know, for many Christians, they live their Christian life like a thermometer. When things are great, they're really high. When things are bad, they're really low. And so that's why a lot of people kind of describe their life as a roller coaster of emotions. And, and I've, as, as I've talked about uh, in this, theory, this uh, study in the book of uh, Philippians, that, that Paul's life was very different. But how about you? Do you feel like your life is more like the roller coaster, that things are really high and everything seems great and you're very content? But when things get low, man, it kind of bottoms out. In fact, I was just curious if maybe you would feel comfortable sharing this morning. How would you gauge where your spiritual walk is with God right now? Are you content or are you really low? Uh, maybe if, if we thought of it like a thermometer, like if, if 100 is everything's great and I feel at peace with God, every, I'm content, I'm, I'm worry-free, maybe you would measure yourself at 100. Or maybe if you're really low and you just feel like your passion for God is gone because your contentment is struggling, Maybe you would be at a zero. Where would you rank yourself? Would, would you maybe share that in the comments just to kind of see where we are? And, and I'll share mine as well that, you know, as I've looked at things in my life uh, over the last few months, I would say that I'm probably at about a 70 to 75, that there've been certain times that I've really struggled, but sometimes I've been, you know, really thankful and very content. So where are you? Would you be willing to just in the comments, just share with us where you would gauge yourself with zero being very low and maybe a hundred being high because throughout this very difficult time and challenging times we find ourselves in, I've talked to people who are all over the spectrum. Some people that, uh, you know, everything seems to be going great. Their walk with God has gone deeper during this time and man, they're really high. They're at a hundred. And then I've talked to other people that they've just really struggled. They lost their job, maybe lost loved ones. They've struggled with sickness. Even people that I've talked to that, uh, got the COVID virus. And, and then, you know, right after that, we had all the unrest in our country and man, they're just really low right now. And, and I've talked to people everywhere in between, but today I want to share with you uh, something from the book of Philippians. And I actually want us to start, uh, excuse me, in this series on Philippians, where we started in the first week, I shared with you what Paul's kind of secret was to contentment in life. And we started where we're going to uh, end today. And I want you to look in Philippians chapter four, in verse 11, Paul at the end of that verse says that I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. 
I know how both to be brought low and how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty or hungry, hunger, abundance and need. You see kind of the extremes there, the highs and the lows of life. And what he said in the midst of all that at, at the end of verse 11 is he's learned to be content regardless of what the circumstances are. He, he's learned you know, how to face things when things are low and how to face things when they're really high. And then he ends with this emphatic statement in verse 13. I can do all things through him, through Christ, who strengthens me. And in the first message of the series, I, I shared with you what I believe to be true. And that is that knowing Christ is the calm in the storm. That we can do all things through Christ because we belong to him. We are strengthened in him. And so knowing Christ is the key to knowing peace. Knowing Christ is the key to contentment. Knowing Christ, knowing him is the steadying force in our lives when everything around us seems to be rocking. I was having a conversation with someone recently and just he was sharing with me what was going on in his life. And, and, and we were just talking about kind of the circumstances that we find ourselves in in this culture. You turn on the news and you hear the bad and the good. You hear conspiracy theories and you hear this person saying this. And with all these voices, it's just so difficult. And we kind of, as we were talking, landed on this statement. I just don't know who to believe. Have you felt that way? I mean, can I get an amen out there that, you know, it's hard to kind of go through all these different voices and know who's telling the truth. How do we know what is true and which voices can we really listen to and to trust? And I've been reminded in this season that there is one voice that I can trust in my life, and it's the voice of Jesus. I can't trust the voice of my circumstances because sometimes they're low and sometimes they are high. I can't trust the, the voice of politicians. I can't trust the voice even sometimes of my own rationale. The voice that I can trust in my life is the voice of Jesus. He is with us in our times of struggle. And so as Paul closes out his letter to the Philippians, he gives them four reminders that I think we all need in our times of struggle. There's been a thing going around on social media about, and it's usually something that will start with this phrase, I don't know who needs to read this, but, or I don't know who needs to hear this, but, and it will usually be followed with a statement that's reminding them of their value. I don't know who needs to hear this, but it's okay to struggle today. I don't know who needs to read this, but you're beautiful inside. But of course, if you spend any time online, as people often do, they will take a statement like that, and they've turned out some pretty funny things that I'd like to share with you to kind of get started today. Uh, and so it starts like this. I don't know who needs to hear this, but you don't need anything from Amazon today. Is that you? Because let me tell you something, we, we've been buying a lot of stuff on Amazon. So I don't know if he needs to hear this today, but you don't need anything from Amazon today. Don't order anything from Amazon. So another one I saw was this. I don't know who needs to hear this, but stop thinking you're only going to spend $20 at Target. You ever felt that way? It's like me if I go to Bucky's. That's a big place in Texas, a gas station, basically. And I know that when I go into Bucky's, I'm going to drop 30 bucks. But I always go in thinking, man, I'm just going to buy $5 worth of stuff. And then I walk out with things I don't need. So I don't know who needs to hear this, but stop thinking that you're only going to spend 20 bucks at Target. Here's another one uh, that I read. I don't know who needs to hear this, but deodorant don't work if you already stink. I thought that was a pretty good one as well. Um, here's one that, that I, I came up with, and I, I hope this doesn't offend or hurt anybody. So I'm taking a little bit of a risk here, but I don't know who needs to hear this, but you don't have to wear a mask in your car when you're alone. You know who you are. 
you're going to be okay in your own car, okay? Uh, and then one that I read that I thought was interesting, and I didn't know that this guy even had a Twitter uh, handle, but he does. And, and his, his was, uh, me don't know who need to hear this, but go eat cookie. And that was the Twitter handle. Apparently, Cookie Monster has a, a Twitter handle, so I thought that was pretty interesting. And, and that phrase, I don't know who needs to hear this, the, the point of that is that sometimes we just need to be reminded. And today I hope that what I'm going to share with you will be a reminder as Paul reminds these Philippian believers. So let's look in verse 10 at the first of the reminders that Paul gives us. In verse 10, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that it, now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Here's the first reminder that Paul gives these believers, and I want you to hear it today. God knows what we need. God knows what we need. In fact, I want you to take a minute and just type that out in the comments. God knows what we need. Look at this beautiful phrase in verse 10. Paul rejoiced that God had revived in these Philippian believers their concern for him. I was watching TV recently and there was an interview with a guy that had been in prison for about 20 years. And as they were talking about the sins of his past and some of the things that had landed him there, one of the things that he shared that I thought was so poignant was he said the most difficult part about prison is not, uh, not just the isolation, it's not that the meals aren't great or that you're cut off even from your family. What he said is most difficult is that oftentimes when you're in prison, you feel forgotten. You feel like those who are on the outside world have just, their lives have gone on and you're left to waste away and no one cares about your circumstance. And I'm sure that it would have been easy for Paul, who if you remember is under house arrest in Rome, maybe he felt some of those same things. But all of a sudden, a man named Epaphroditus shows up at his front door and he has some gifts from the Philippian church and we're going to come back to that in a moment. I think in that moment, Paul was reminded that God knew exactly what he needed. God, he says in verse 10, was the one, he said, I rejoice in the Lord that at now at length you have revived your concern for me. You see, God knew exactly what Paul needed, and God knows what you need today. I was having a conversation this week with a friend of mine who was going through a very difficult and very challenging time, and it was a very gut-wrenching conversation, and we spent some time in prayer together, and I tried to encourage him but this struggle that he'd been going through had been going on for quite some time, and I was completely oblivious to what he was going through. And as we were talking, I just told him, I said, man, I had no idea that you were facing this. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe someone is sharing with you their burden, and you had no idea that they were struggling, and you, you felt bad inside because as they're telling you what they've been going through and they've been suffering in silence, you had no idea that that they were, in de they were depressed. You had no idea that, that they had had such a bad struggle and they were going through such a difficult time. You found out maybe that someone lost a job and you had no idea that their money had run out and they were going hungry. You know, sometimes when we find out those things, we say, man, I, I had no idea that that was going on. But I want you to know something. You will never hear that from the voice of God. God will never say to us, man, I didn't know that you were going through that. 
And the reason for that is that God always sees and God knows exactly what we need. I want you to hear that, friend. God always knows what you need. He will never say to you, I had no idea that you were facing that. I had no idea that you were going through that difficulty. Maybe some of you that are watching are struggling right now. Maybe some of you are battling with depression. Maybe some of you are battling with addictions and you feel like, man, there's just, there's no good way out of this. And I feel like I'm praying and, and God is not hearing my prayers. I want you to know that God knows exactly what you need. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus was teaching about prayer, he said, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. But listen to this. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but God knows what you need. That's the first reminder that Paul gives to these believers. The second reminder is then the verse that we read in verse 13, when Paul said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The first reminder that we needed is that God knows what you need. The second reminder today is this, God has what we need. In fact, I want you to write that reminder as well. God has what we need. Not only does God know what we need, but God has what we need. He's the one that we can go through. Paul said in verse 13, I can do all things, regardless of whether things, as he says in verse 12, are high or low, I'm in, in, in plenty or I'm hungry. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ is what we need. And that's an affirmation of the heart of Paul. He's saying in that verse, God's got me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He has everything that I need. I remember early in our marriage that Leslie and I were going through a very challenging financial situation. We were newlyweds. Neither of us were making a lot of money at the jobs that we were working at. And we had some debt that we were working really hard to pay off. And we just got to one of those months, and maybe you felt this way as well. Uh, we were at the end of our paycheck, but we weren't yet at the end of the month. And we were looking around in our, in our pantry and looking in our fridge, and there, there just wasn't a lot of food to eat. And I'll never forget this, that my mom showed up at my apartment complex, and she had a laundry basket, a white laundry basket. And inside that, she had all kind of household cleaning items, but she also brought some food over. And I can look back at my life at moments like that, and I can see where in the midst of that struggle, I began to doubt whether God was really going to be able to meet our needs. Can God really meet our needs, but I can look back and I can see where God has provided for every single need that we've ever had. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. God in Paul's life had provided for Paul yet again because God knew what Paul needed, but God also had what Paul needed. I've struggled with that a little bit honestly this week. As I shared with you earlier, our AC has been out and uh, some of the repairs are going to be quite expensive to fix, but I, in times like that, when I'm, when I'm facing a challenging time or a time of need, and I begin to doubt whether God is going to meet that need, I'm reminded of those past victories. I'm reminded of those times when my mom showed up with a basket of groceries, and I'm reminded of the times when God would provide for us in these incredible supernatural ways, and I'm reminded not only does God in those moments know what I need, but God has what I need. 
God can provide a way for me to be taken care of. Recently, I was in the hospital with a friend uh, visiting. The wife had had called me and said her husband was going to be having quadruple bypass surgery. And so I went and met with the family and uh, was just trying to be there and with them during that time. And I could tell in talking with the wife as her husband was going into surgery that she was very nervous. There was a lot of you know, unknown and whether the surgery would be successful and obviously a very risky surgery. And so while we were sitting there in the waiting room, a gentleman walked up. He was an older gentleman, probably in his mid uh, to late 60s. And, and he came up to us and he introduced himself. And he was wearing a white shirt and he had one of those volunteer badges. And so I thought, well, maybe he's going to give us some information about our friend to know when he's out of surgery. But then he began to share his story. He started talking about the fact that a few years prior to that date, he had had the same surgery that my friend was having. And he began to talk about what the surgery was like. And he had surgery by the exact same surgeon and how it went. And then also what the road to recovery was going to look like. And so as he began to share his story, you could tell that the tension in the air and some of the fear and anxiety in that room was leaving the family. Because here was someone who was telling his own story, saying, look, I've been through this before, and I'm just telling you that I came out on the other side of this, and my life is better, and my life is okay. And Paul is telling these Philippian believers, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But notice in verse 15 that he, be, he tells a little bit more about his story. He said this, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, so when he first started his ministry, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Verse 16, even in Thessalonica, you sent, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. I want you to listen to the phrases that Paul used in that passage as he talks to his friends. He says in verse 16, you sent me help for my needs yet again. In verse 18, I've received full payment and more. I am well supplied. Paul affirms to these believers, God has what I've needed all along. No matter I'm leaving Macedonia or I'm in Thessalonica or now in Rome under house arrest, God has always provided for me. I can do all things through Christ because in my life I have seen firsthand that God has exactly what I needed. But Paul doesn't just remind them of his own experience. He gives them a promise in verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I don't know who needs to be reminded of this today, but I want you to know that God has what you need. God has what we need. God will supply all of your needs. You're here and watching this today because God, even though maybe there have been times of difficulty and times of need, God has always supplied what you've needed. I don't know who needs to hear that, but be reminded today that God has what you need. And in Philippians 4.19, we find the third reminder, and that is that God's supply never runs out. In fact, I want you to remember that, so type it out in the comments. God's supply never runs out. Notice what he said in verse 19, that my God will supply every need of yours 
according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If you keep up at all with the presidential election before uh, so much of that was put on pause because of uh, the time of, that we face right now, last year there was a candidate named Michael Bloomberg, and he spent $1 billion on a 100-day campaign for the presidential nomination. That's $10.2 million per day. Now, I want you to let that sink in for a moment, that he spent $10.2 million per day, a total of $1 billion, and he still didn't get the nomination. But try to imagine what that would be like to spend that sum of money every day. I mean, for, if not all, most of us, but I would say probably all of us, we can't even imagine spending that kind of money. I mean, if, if I, I was thinking about it, that uh, if I were running a presidential campaign and spending that, that presidential campaign wouldn't last very long. But here's the thing with Michael Bloomberg. He's worth $60.1 billion. And what that means is that if he could go on spending $10.2 million per day and didn't make any money in the same time, that he would spend all of his money in 5,882 days. That's 16 years. In other words, he's so wealthy that he could spend that amount of money that he'd been spending on that campaign until the year 2036. Now, if I were a presidential candidate and I was running on, on that same exact amount of money, this is what my opening press conference would be. I'm Robbie Pollard. I'm officially announcing my candidacy for president. And now I'm suspending my campaign. That's about maybe how long it would work because I don't have those kind of resources. And many of us wouldn't either. But he has such vast amounts of money that he could spend that kind of money and it was just maybe a small dent. But there would be a time that his resources and money would run out. But Paul said in verse 19 that God would supply all of their needs, not according to Bloomberg's riches, but according to the riches of God in glory in Christ Jesus. Our supply would run out. Our money will run out. Our resources will run out. But God doesn't meet our needs based on what we have. It's based on what he has. It's based on his riches in glory. In fact, in Psalm 50, the psalmist wrote, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. In that psalm, the psalmist reminds us that God owns it all. For us, our currency is money. But for a Jewish person to which that psalm would be written and they would sing it, to own a cattle on a thousand hills would be to count every single cow or head of cattle on a thousand hills. In other words, it, the, the, what God owns is so vast it cannot be numbered. And I want you to know that, that God owns it all. His supply never runs out. So not, not only does God know what we need, he has what we need, and what he has will never run out. He will meet our needs according to his riches in glory. So I don't know out there who needs to be reminded of this, but you need to know today that God's supply never runs out. And I'd like to just give you one final reminder this morning. And it's written throughout this entire paragraph that Paul wrote to these believers, and it's this. God will use you to bless others. Throughout this part of Paul's letter, he told the Philippians 
you have blessed me. And so as, as a way to remember this reminder, will you, will you take a moment and just write that out? God will use you to bless others. God can use you because God used these Philippian believers to be a blessing to Paul in his ministry. As Randy Alcorn in his book, The Treasure Principle, wrote it, he said this, God blesses us in order to bless other people. Has God ever used someone in your life to meet your needs? Have you ever had someone like my mom that, that showed up one day just with a bag of groceries to bless you and your family? Maybe you would take a minute in the comments as we're just thinking about, uh, about this truth and maybe share that story. Maybe share the name of the person and, and maybe just write a thank you to them and tag them in the comments so that they know that what they gave to bless you was a blessing to them, to you. But you can be used by God to bless others. I was having a conversation with a mentor of mine and he was talking to me about ministry, about a mistake that oftentimes we as pastors make. And I have to admit that at times I've been guilty of this as well. He said, you know, when people come into our lives, often what we think of is what that person can do to strengthen our church or strengthen the ministry that God has given us. We look at someone, they come in and we say, man, I bet that person would be really good at this in the church. They'd be a really good teacher of kids, or maybe they'd be someone that would be really good with helping the church handle finances, or maybe this person would be really good at administration. He said, what our approach should be when it comes to people and in ministry is not what this person could do to help the church, but ultimately what can God uh, do with me and how can God use me to serve them? How can God use me to bless their lives? And I think that's an important distinction to make in our lives because oftentimes when we look at people, we look at them in ways that we, that will personally benefit us. But what if we had a change of perspective rather figuring, rather than looking at how people could bless us? What if we face this reminder, this truth today that God could use us to be a blessing to other people? When my mom showed up at our apartment in that story that I shared with you earlier, my mom understood that, that God could use her to bless a family in need. God will use you to bless others. In fact, I want you to just write that as a prayer this morning. Just take a moment in the comments, and if you don't want to put it in the comments, put it on your phone. Maybe just put it in a note for you to be reminded, or write it in the margin of your Bible, whatever it is. Write this as a prayer. God, use me to bless other people. God, use me to bless others. I believe that God wants to use us to bless others. Well, I want you to look in this story as Paul shared how they blessed Paul. In verse 10, Paul reminds them that their concern for him was revived. In order to be a blessing to other people, you have to think of others. That's what they did. They thought of Paul. Their concern was revived. If you want God to use you to bless others, you need to begin to pray, God, help me to think of others. Give me a compassion and an awareness of the needs of other people. If you look in verse 14, you'll also see that they shared the burden of other people. Not only do they think about it, but in verse 14, he says, it was kind of you to share my trouble. I was watching a video online sometime back, and it was from September of last year at the World Track and Field Championship, and it was in the 5,000-meter race. And there was a runner named Brian, excuse me, Brian Debo, and he was competing in that race. And as he was coming to the final turn of the race, he noticed that one of his fellow competitors, a man named Jonathan Busby, was exhausted. And as he was interviewed, he talked about what he saw, that he could tell when he was watching him that Jonathan wasn't running straight, that he was leaning over, and he could tell 
that he was dehydrated and exhausted. And so rather than running by him, uh, Brahma Debo stopped or slowed down and he, he grabbed his fellow competitor and he began to help him as they hobbled toward the finish line. And when it was obvious that Jonathan Busby really couldn't go much further, Debo took his arm and put it around his neck and then basically carried him, helped him to the finish line. And I remember hearing the commentators talk about that this is what sport was really all about, about helping your competitors succeed. And I th it was just such a powerful and wonderful moment to see someone helping someone else carry the burden. And that's the idea that I get when I read in verse 14. As Paul wrote to these Philippian believers, he said, you shared the burden. You have taken my burden upon yourself every time that they gave to him. And I think that when we hear of someone in need, what we have to do is we have to not only think about that person, but we need to do something to share the burden, to come alongside them, put their arm around us, put our arms around them and help them through that time of difficulty. But there's something else they did. Not only did they think about it, not only did they share the burden, but in verses 15 and 16, and you'll see it in verse 18, they gave of themselves. In verse 15, Paul said, when he was leaving Macedonia, they gave. In verse 16, when Paul was in Thessalonica, they gave. In verse 18, when they heard that Paul was under house arrest, they sent Epaphroditus with gifts to take care of his needs and to share this burden. And so I hope that these reminders today would be an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are. You see, many of us, we go up and down with the changing circumstances. And our spiritual walk and our relationship with God is often gauged by how good things are or how bad things are. But Paul said, look, we don't need to be thermometers that are going up and down like that. And he reminded these Philippian believers four things. God knows what you need. And then he told them, God has what you need. So regardless of what your need is, God knows it. But God also has what you need. And his supply never runs out. There will never be a time when God says there's no more for me to give. His supply is endless. But then the fourth reminder was God will use you to bless other people. As a youth at that camp, I was very, uh, it was very intriguing to hear that analogy of the thermometer. But the speaker that week, and I hope this doesn't sound too cheesy, but I hope you'll understand the heart of it. He said, I want to encourage you to be something different. Don't be a, therm uh, a, therm a thermometer. I want to encourage you to be a thermostat. The difference is, is very telling. Thermometers go up and down with the circumstance. But a thermostat, it sets the tone for the room. It keeps everything even. They set the temperature for the room. And so when things start to get too high, they just kind of even things out. When things go low, they even things out. They keep things in the room consistent. It keeps things from going too high and too low. And the key to that is contentment. Knowing that whatever we face, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Whether things are great or whether things are really low, the consistent thing is Christ and his care for us. I think that's a picture of Paul's life. Things at times were really great for Paul. As churches were being planted, as elders were being trained, as people were being saved and people were being converted in these miraculous ways to come to Christ and all the different wonderful things that happened when Paul and Silas were released from the Philippian jail in this miraculous way. I mean, things were really high, but when those times happened, the thing with Paul was, I've learned to be content. That no matter what I'm in, God knows my need, God has what I need, and his supply never runs out. And Paul knew that God was going to use him 
to be a blessing to others. And he ends with verse 20. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. That everything in Paul's life was for the glory of God and for the good of other people. Would you join me just for a word of prayer this morning? I, I don't know who needs to needed to hear this message, but we need to be reminded today of these truths that we've seen. And I'd like to just pray these things in our lives. And would you just pray along with me as we conclude our service today? Father, we recognize today and remember these truths. God, that you know our needs, that you are not blind to what we're going through. Whether we're in the midst of a wonderful time and a great time or a very low time in our lives, we know that you know exactly what we need. And Lord, we are thankful that what you that you have what we need. Whatever it would be, whatever our needs are, God, not only do you know them, but you have what we need. That you will supply all of our needs according to the riches that you have in glory in Christ Jesus. And we thank you, God, that today that supply never runs out. And so when we're feeling low and, and abandoned, help our contentment to rise, Lord, knowing that you know what we need, you have what we need, and that your supply never runs out. And help us to be a blessing to other people. There are some that are watching this sermon today and listening, and they know of someone who's in need. And I pray that they will be your hands and feet and reach out to those in need to be an Epaphroditus to a Paul in their life, to find out about someone who's in need and do something for them, give a gift to them, buy groceries for them, show up with a laundry basket filled with supplies and see how it would bless their lives to give to bless other people. And so help us, Lord, to be content, not to be so high and to be so low based on the circumstances in our lives, but to be content with who we are in Christ and to be reminded that you always take care of our needs. And we pray this to be done in Jesus' name.